0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10
1: per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the morning briefing for Friday the 13th of July 2018.
3: What's up, y'all? (laughs)
2: <laughs> Super producer JQ's here, sitting in the driver's seat because host Eric Dame had some uh, we'll say intestinal distress and was unable to make it into the office. But we wish him the best and a speedy recovery. However, we don't stop. We don't slow down. We go full steam ahead with a fantastic show, chock full of stuff that you're not going to want to miss. We're going to be speaking with Shaw Chowdhury. Now, Shaw is a founding member of Assault Forward, a military themed, veteran-owned clothing Company with a slight twist. It's different than what you'd expect from most veteran owned clothing companies, so you don't want to miss that. Also, it's Friday, which means we'll be talking with the veterans of foreign wars. Lynn Rolf, their programs director, will be here to talk to us about several programs they have to help veterans, including a new initiative that they call the Veteran Employment Tools. Hmm, what could that be? We'll you'll just have to wait and find out. And as always, make sure you check out the website connectingvets.com. Your one-stop shop for all things military and veteran-related. And make sure you follow us on social media, where we are at Connecting Vets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us to so get the latest and greatest happenings in the military and veteran community. You'll know exactly when things pop off because we are on top of the veteran community because we are the veteran community. Every member of the Connecting Vet staff is military veteran, so we know what you care about. And if you we talk about things that you don't care about, or if you were not talking about things you do care about, make sure you let us know at, at connectingvets.com or let us know on Facebook or send us a tweet. Just reach out and let us know what's going on. So as I said, it's Friday, big weekend coming up. Well, not a big weekend. I, well, to me, every weekend is a big weekend because it's two days where you can just... <sighs> Relax, unwind, decompress from the week. I got great plans. I'm going to be spending the entire weekend in my apartment, on my couch, working on that Ghostbusters Lego set I was talking about. See, I'm not one of those people that has to sit there all day and do it. So honestly, I'm not going to be doing that. The way I work is I will have, I will do, because you know the instruction manual, I'll do like five or six pages a day and then move on to other things. So, in reality, this 4,000-piece set will probably take me about a month to complete. But after that, it's got a special place on my nerd wall. My wall with uh, shelves that's got just chock full of nerdy stuff like Doctor Who, Star Trek, uh, all sorts of cartoons and video games and all sorts of crap that I'm into. I'm not going to tell you the specifics because, well, I don't want to lose your respect. There's a lot going on in the military and veteran community, so let's take a look around at what's going on on ConnectingVets.com. And this top story is a little bit of a whoopsie. Uh Uh-oh, Army Post shares anti-Trump meme. Uh Uh-oh. The official Facebook and Twitter accounts for a U.S. Army Post shared an intensely politically charged meme, and heads are certainly going to roll. The image in question includes a picture of President Donald Trump with a less than heartfelt message. Quote, Sometimes I get the feeling that Trump was installed by a foreign enemy to weaken and destabilize America. Has anyone else had that impression? Wow. I mean... I don't know if we'll follow more on the story, but I don't know. Uh, I think it was a civilian employee. Yes. In a Facebook post Thursday afternoon, Fort Gordon said a civilian employee, quote, improperly posted the political message a night before. They say, Fort Gordon said, quote, the online activity yesterday is incompatible with the Army values and our professional expectations of our civilian employees. And they added that this incident is, quote, under review to determine appropriate disciplinary action. The post is a clear violation of several rules meant to protect the Defense Department when it comes to politics. DOD directives and specific military regulations are clear. The active duty service members' participation in partisan, politic, partisan political actions is prohibited. That would include calling the current Commander-in-Chief a foreign intelligence asset meant to destabilize the country. Well, der. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this had to be a civilian because I don't know any military member. Well, no, maybe Spencer Rapone would have did it. Yeah, all the West Point commie would probably would have said, "Oh, we need to get rid of President Trump. He's evil and he's the devil, and we need Grandpa Socialism, Bernie Sanders in the office." Anyway. The Pentagon defines forbidden political activity as, quote, supporting or relating to candidates representing or issues specifically identified with national or state political parties and associated or ancillary organizations. And while the Post seems to, at the very least, be in violation of the spirit of what the military deems inappropriate, it isn't the first time soldiers have been in hot water over their politics. In early 2012, an Army reservist found himself in a mess when he took the stage at a Ron Paul campaign event while in uniform. Y'all remember that, right? This guy just got so much trouble. And not enough trouble, I think. But, you know, whatever. To be clear, that soldier was prohibited from such an endorsement because he was in uniform. Service members may be subject to additional regulations under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, the UCMJ, governing what they can do with government resources like a computer or official social media accounts, for example. It is unclear what, if anything, will happen to the keyboard warrior who posted the picture, but we wouldn't be surprised if there may be a new public affairs job opening at the Georgia installation. (laughs) Gosh, Matt, come on. Uh... Oh, and as if it couldn't get any crazier, Fort Gordon is home to the U.S. Army's Cyber Center of Excellence, which trains Army cyber warriors, soldiers who seek to thwart undue political influence from foreign adversaries, such as an Eastern Asian nation that will remain nameless. Oh, and then he put a little winky face. Come on, Matt. A little professionalism, please. I'm kidding. That story was done by our own Matt Saintsing. And it goes to show that I mean, you just can't do certain things. Like, when I was at Fort Myer, I was in charge of our social media account, and I was very, very careful. I almost got in trouble once because I was about to post something pretty politically charged, but then I, right before I was going to hit send, I saw that I was posting as the old guard, as Fort Myer. <laughs> so I was like, whoops, no, let me go ahead and change that right there. So yeah, but it's just the thing that, it had to be a civilian, you know, some you know, someone that just doesn't care enough about the regulations. Because most service members may not care about the rules and regulations, but they know right from wrong. They know not to post politically charged things on an official uh, Facebook page or Twitter account. Because it went on, on Twitter, too, because they have their social media uh, accounts linked. So, <laughs> but yeah that was a weird thing let's see what else is going on on connecting vets.com if my computer will load it's being slow come on now oh great now my computer completely froze that isn't awesome no here it goes okay we're back now uh that's still being slow all right so how are y'all doing You know, we always want to know how you're doing, what you think of the show. So make sure you let us know on Facebook. We'll be doing a little Facebook Live video to show you what we're talking about after the show. And then, you know, just let us know. Send us a PM on social media. We are very good at replying to uh, messages as long as they're not asking about advice for their pets. See that's a problem. <laughs> when you're called connectingvets.com, is every now and then we'll get messages of saying, oh, "My dog is throwing up and my hamster is sick. What should I do?" And we have to very politely say, "Ma'am or sir, we are not we are connecting military veterans, not veterinarians." So Google is your friend. But I, I can't blame them. Connecting vets, you know, if you just googled vets well, I don't know why you would Google vets for, because, yeah, you call it a vet, but when you think the word vet, to me, you're thinking about veterans. Well, no, that's not true. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I can't see it. I don't know. Let's look at what's going on right now. Let's look at a story by our uh, own Jonathan Copanger, a little doggy story. because You know, Jonathan, he loves dogs. He owns a dog. So he likes to do story about pets. Jonathan has a story saying training veterans' dogs to be their service dogs. Angus was a carn terrier puppy who went everywhere with Brooke. The scruffy and adorable dog went on ruck marches with her and basically anywhere else allowable to the army posts where Brooke worked as a supply sergeant. Sadly, Angus's life ended in a tragic accident, but his memory is started something incredible. Mutts with a mission. Brooke Corson, executive director of Mutz with a Mission, worked at Bravo Company 150th Infantry Training Battalion at Fort Benning. At the end of the day, friends would stop by her office and without even saying hello, would ask for Angus. Quote, he'd go over and jump in their lap and you could see them relax, recalls Brooke. You could physically see the stress of the day go away. Having seen what he could do, I knew something could be done with dogs to help mitigate the epidemic of veteran suicide. Much with a mission is a nonprofit that trains service dogs for veterans and wounded warriors. Training dogs is in Brooke's blood. Her mom trains dogs. She has a degree in animal science that says, and says that her experience as a drill sergeant even comes in handy sometimes. When asked what's more difficult to train, a group of humans or a group of dogs, Brooke said with a snort, "Oh, humans, absolutely humans. And I can say that for sure. I used to have a dog, and my dog was ten times smarter than any private I ever trained." I'm just saying. If you got mad at that, then you were that guy. You were that guy that is dumber than a dog, okay? (laughs) But in 2012, an experience with a veteran changed how she looked at training service dogs. A disabled veteran came to her in need of a service dog, but he already had a dog. He didn't want another one. He wanted Brooke to train the dog he already had. And sure enough, because the dog and owner already had a bond... The dog met the training and personality standards of a service dog. It worked. Some of these dogs are even, while they're in training, might be walking up to these guys, waking these guys up from a night terror. Says Brooke. So even, hang on. I'm sorry, my eyes just crossed for some strange reason. Do you ever have that happen to you? You'll be reading something and your eyes just kind of derp. Probably not. That's just me. I apologize. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so even though they haven't graduated yet, they're still providing service with these, service these guys need. I think by having our owner train program with these guys going through the training instead of being on a waiting list for two years, they're already starting to get some help from these dogs. And it costs nothing. Training at Mutz with a Mission lasts anywhere from six months to two years. For the owner training program, Burke will take dogs up to three years old. The working life of a service dog is only eight to ten years, and training can cost wow between twenty thousand and forty thousand per dog. Anything past three years old just isn't cost-effective, as it cuts into the time the veteran can use the dog. Oh, and there's a picture of a little black lab puppy that's right up next to the camera. Oh, he's so
1: cute.
2: I'm, <clears throat> I, I apologize. Yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> mainly things, you know. <laughs> Beer
0: and bacon and stuff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to the story. Months with a Mission does take puppies in for training, but even this is done in a unique way. They use volunteers to help raise the puppies during the training. These volunteers attend a weekly training with the puppy and the rest of the time working on socialization and exposure to the specific tasks the dog will need to perform. This lets Mutt with a Mission have more dogs in the program, which means more veterans to receive help. First Class graduates in February of 2019, and Mutt with a Mission is open is opening up the list nationally this fall. If you're interested in possibly adopting one of these service dogs, you can contact Brooke through the Mutt with a Mission website. The services at Mutt with a Mission are completely free to veterans. They'll even help the veterans in the owner training program with bills if needed. We just, we just had one dog who developed a tumor, says Brooke. We paid for the surgery because we knew the veteran couldn't come up with the $700 for the surgery. Brooke said his team will help with, even help with food if needed. Brooke believes that one of the reasons dogs do so well as service animals is because they don't judge us. No matter what is happening, no matter what a person has been through, dogs just don't care. They love every person unconditionally. For Brooke and Mutz with a Mission, unconditional love and support is a gift back to veterans. Because they've done so much for us, their lives have been drastically changed. They've lost their independence for keeping America safe. If I can provide them with a well-trained service dog that helps them regain some independence, I'm going to do it. And, of course, it ends with a group of little uh, golden retriever puppies. and so cute. Yeah, you know, I, I thought briefly about getting a service dog i mean because technically i i can i can apply for one but the more i thought about the more i don't need one and i would hate hate to take a dog away from someone who needed it so i would never really do that anyway let's look around what's going on on the rest of the military world here's a story that is uh not so good the DOD is to, is going to bar GI Bill transfer for long-serving troops. This is according to the Military Times. Starting next year, service members who have been in the military for more than 16 years will no longer be able to transfer GI Bill benefits to their dependents. This is a change to current Pentagon policy that's garnered mixed reviews from military advocates. The Defense Department announced today that it is instituting a 16-year cap, effective in one year, and making other changes, quote, to clo- more closely align with transferability benefit with its purpose as a recruiting and retention incentive. Currently, service members with at least six years under the belt may transfer the GI Bill to benefits to spouse or child, providing they agree to serve in the military for four more years. Effective immediately, service members service members who are not eligible to fulfill additional service requirement including because of mandatory retirement, higher tenure, or medical issues, may not transfer the benefits. The six-year minimum requirement is not going to change. With these updates, the Department addresses the intent of Congress and ensures the benefit is available for future service members, says DOD spokeswoman Jessica Maxwell. This change is an important step to preserve transferability as a retention incentive. Maxwell said the policy change will impact about 9% of active duty service members, National Guardsmen, and Reservists. We understand that it will take some time for service members and their families to decide on transferring benefits, so by giving them a one-year window, we will believe it will give them ample time to gather information and make decisions, she said. The addition of the cap to one part of the GI Bill is a sore spot for some in the veterans education space who recently fought for a provision in the new quote forever gi bill that allows vets to use their own gi bill benefits as long after separating as they want when military times first reported in november that the dod was considering this change to its gi bill transfer policy some advocates expressed concern and said the pentagon should discuss this with their groups first after the policy became official our own friend american legion spokesman joe plenzler said As a matter of principle, the American Legion is against the curtailment of veterans earned benefits. We understood understand that the minimum time in service for transfer eligibility and that it makes sense from a retention perspective but the 16 year transfer or lose rule makes no sense to us as the DOD has articulated it and disadvantages the veteran when it comes to full use of this earned benefit. The Legion's members include both veterans and active duty service members. Eileen Huck the Deputy Director of Government Relations for the National Military Family Association, said the organization is appreciative that DOD is giving a year's advance notice of the policy change and recommends that service members who think they may want to transfer the benefit take advantage of the lead time. If a service member is considering making the transfer and they're eligible to do so right now, they really shouldn't wait, she says. Transferability is going to be available for the majority of service members, and we understand that it is a retention tool. So while we may not agree with DOD's decision, and we would like to see it continue to be available for everyone, we understand the rationale behind limiting it to people who have fewer than 16 years of service. What is my phone going on for? Okay, it's the DMV. Shut up, DMV. Anyway, Maxwell's... (laughs) That's professionalism for you. Anyway, Maxwell said DOD has, quote, maintained ongoing engagements with military and veteran organizations on this issue. Our goal is to ensure all stakeholder stakeholders understand the context and reasoning behind DOD policies that affect our military and veteran community, says Huck. So, yeah, that's kind of messed up. Well, I mean, part of me understands it in that Well, no, part of me doesn't understand it because if you earn that benefit and you can use it for as long after the service as you want, because what if you're, you know, in for 16 years and then you have a child and then you get out and 18 years later, that child wants to go to college and you want to transfer those benefits to him. Why can't you do that? It makes no sense. Well, it doesn't make sense to me. But then again, I'm not a policymaker. I just think it's kind of weird in that you don't allow them to transfer that after a certain time. I never even knew that was a stipulation of the forever GI Bill. I thought forever meant, you know, forever. But apparently it's forever with an asterisk, which is kind of messed up. But that's just me. What do I know? I'm only a drill sergeant. Sorry, that's something I used to say to privates when they would, you know, ask a question. I'd say, it goes like this, private, then again, what do I know? I'm only an NCO. You know, whatever. <laughs> okay, the Air Force awards its first ever R device for remote combat ops. Hmm, this is interesting. As again, according to the Air Force Times, the Air Force awarded its first ever remote R devices Wednesday to five airmen from the 432nd Air Expeditionary Wing at Creech Air Force Base, Nevada. The airmen received either Meritorious Service Medals or Air Force. Air, no, Blah, 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 blah. I apologize for that little slip of the tongue. The airmen received either Meritorious Service Medals or Air Force commendation medals with the device. Authorized in 2016, with criteria released just last year, the device was established to recognize airmen who have participated in, quote, hands-on employment with a weapons system that had directly that had direct and immediate impact on a combat operation or other military operations, according to the Air Force. Actions that qualify airmen for the device can be formed in any domain, including cyber, but must not expose the individual to hostile fire. The award ceremony Wednesday recognized remotely piloted aircraft crew members. It is a great honor to receive, to recognize the contributions of these airmen, said Colonel Julian Cheater, the 432nd Wing Commander, during an award ceremony according to an Air Force press release. Much of the world will never know the details of their contributions due to operational security, but rest assured, they have made significant impacts while saving friendly lives. The five airmen who sucks. Su- the five. Gosh, what's wrong? Again, my eyes just derped and then my tongue just kind of falls out of my mouth. I'm a professional radio person. Isn't that strange? Anyway, the five airmen whose surnames were all withheld from the press release received the device for actions over the course of three separate combat operations in which they were protecting U.S. and Allied ground forces. Retired Major Asa and Captain Evan, both MQ-9 Reaper pilots, were singled out for combat operations in February of 2016. Over the course of 74 days worth of reconnaissance missions in an undeclosed area of operations, the two pilots found and tracked an individual who was theater's number two high-value target. The pilots then coordinated a strike as the individual traveled through a dense urban area in vehicle at high speeds. Evan's crew lazed the target while Asa shot off laser-guided missiles, successfully impacting the the vehicle. Evan said the new decoration device could help shed light on the impact drone crews have on the battlefield. I went home that night and I knew what I did, said Evan. I think outside the community, something like this will give a, a sense of perspective. Also during the ceremony, First Lieutenant Eric, another Reaper pilot, and Senior Jason, Senior Air, <laughs> Senior Jason Airman Senior Airman Jason, the aircraft's sensor operator, received our devices for their actions in saving ground troops fighting the Islamic State. While scanning for enemy forces ahead of coalition units, the Reaper crew discovered a truck with a large caliber machine gun mounted in the bed. The enemy truck fired at friendly troops, then returned to a garage parking structure and repeated the routine multiple times. While maneuvering the Reaper to strike, the crew noticed a group of civilian adults and children huddled in the alleyway near the, where the gun truck was firing. The crew decided to hold off on a strike for fear of injuring civilians and waited until the truck returned to its garage. Eric said, in this particular situation, we were able to quickly assess the that the enemy was not yet inflicting effective fire on friendly forces, which allowed us to completely prepare for the strike. Once the truck returned to the garage, Eric and Jason took action. Using their only AGM-114 Hellfire missile, they eliminated both the vehicle and enemy fighters while safeguarding friendly forces and civilians. A final R device was awarded to Reaper pilot Captain Abraham. While scanning a hostile area, the... the weather deteriorated and all the manned aircraft in- were forced to return to base. The Reaper, though, was able to remain on station. Eventually the enemy fighters began to fire on friendlies. While battling increasing while battling increasingly adverse conditions, Abraham dynamically employed four Hellfire missiles, eliminating three enemy targets, two vehicles, and one mortar system. He then navigated the safe return of his aircraft despite marginal weather, according to the Air Force. That's cool. The drones, man. Anyway, coming up, we have Shaw Chowdhury of Assault Forward and later on Lynn Rolf of the Veteran of Foreign Wars. So make sure you stick around. I'm JQs. You're awesome. And keep it locked right here on ConnectingVets.com, your one-stop shop for all things military and veteran related. Morning briefing. We shall return right after this.
0: We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. Online and
3: all over
2: social media Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets.
3: Welcome back to The Morning Briefing on Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. It's the slogan and it's what we do. Our team of veterans all know what it's like to have worn the uniform. Just as importantly, we know what it's like to have taken it off. We know what to look for when it comes to the pitfalls that might be in front of you, the roadblocks, the benefits that can help you, the GI Bill. Yeah, I went to Hofstra University on the GI Bill. I can tell you all about that and each member of our team has their own unique perspective and viewpoint, and they're all available on ConnectingVets.com in a variety of platforms, a variety of types of content. is all there for you and on our social media pages. Follow us. We are at Connecting Vets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. A little click of your mouse or tap on your phone, and you will have all the information you need to live your best veteran life. Speaking of veterans, our next guest is one. Now, he didn't join the Navy. I guess the recruiting office was closed that day or something. But he did decide to go into the military and serve in one of those other services, right? Shah Chowdhury is joining us now. And we're going to talk to him about Assault Forward, the company that he co-founded, and also a little bit about your military career. So, Shah, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Eric, for having me on the show. Let's talk a little bit about that military service. Give us the Cliff's Notes version. You know where you're from, when you joined, and what you did while you were in. Sure,
1: thank you. Um, so I'm from New York City originally. Um, my, my I'm an immigrant. My parents came from uh, uh, from Bangladesh, but I was born and raised in New York. So my father, since a young age, wanted me to go into the army. He said, "Hey, you should go into the army. It's an honorable profession." But as a kid growing up in New York, I was like, "I, I don't really, I don't know if I want to do that." I had mm. other wanted to play sports or whatnot. But then we had a lot of family that served in the military in Bangladesh. So one summer, I was 15, went over there. One of my cousins just was promoted to captain in in the Army there. So kind of saw what it was like, the lifestyle on the base. And I said, oh, that looks pretty cool. I said, I'll try it. So from high school, went and applied to Army ROTC, got into our ROTC. I went to school at Pace University, undergrad, but they didn't have an ROTC unit there. So I ended up going to Fordham University doing ROTC. So this was 1997. Um, So he chose
3: not to go into the Navy and then he chose Fordham and Pace over Hofstra. I don't know. Your decision making is questionable at best. So 97, you you finish up in college. You have that that commission. You go in as an officer. Of course, that's a year before I went in. I went in in 98, four years before September 11th what what were you expecting from your military career going in in 97
1: well so i started rotc and i so i was commissioned actually 10 days before 9 11. oh okay i'm sorry i thought yeah. you finished in no, and I, started started in 97. 97. Yeah. Wow. I started in started 97 so it was you know we were training for vietnam era operations that was mm. ROTC was so i was commissioned september 1st 2001 because i had to take some summer classes and so 10 days later 9 11 hits mm. and i'm in new york city right when it happened so obviously what we expected was going to happen changed a lot two months later um, I was an artillery officer, so I went as, as, as field artillery. So in November 1st, I, w- w- I ended up going to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. So go from there. We already started, you know, start Afghanistan operations started happening. So we kind of realized like, wow, what we thought, you know, during the nineties, the Clinton, the peacetime era, that's, that's, that's not going to be the case during our mm-hmm. career. Um, so then I, you know, finished the artillery basic course um, in April of '02, And then I was sent to Germany, I was stationed in Germany. Um, the first year of my life, I was a platoon leader, best job I've ever had. Um, it, but I was—I couldn't believe I was being paid to do this. I was like, "This is cool. I'm leading soldiers, living in Europe." Uh, but then the war started, you know, com- coming to fruition. So then I deployed uh, May three with the First Armored Division to Baghdad, and I spent 15 months uh, in Iraq doing patrols and convoy operations and whatnot.
3: What year did you?
1: What year did you leave the service? So I ended up leaving uh, late 2005, so November okay. 5. So I ended up doing four years. My initial plan that I wanted to do a full career. That, mm-hmm. was, that was my goal. So when I was in college, I didn't really care about grades. I was like, hey, I just need to graduate so I can join the <laughs> army, right? I picked the easiest major I could. I was a political science major. I said, look, I just need to graduate so I can go go join the army. Um, I met my wife and she's from Germany originally. So I met, her, I met her about a month before I deployed. So she kind of messed up my plans on staying in the army. Because um, I deployed, we kept in contact. She was in med- medical school at the time. Oh, cool. When I got back, <clears throat> when it was time for me to either stay in or, or get out, um, you know, we were still kind of dating and whatnot, and I, I kind of wanted to see that relationship through. So I ended up getting out the army at that time.
3: Well, hey, that's one reason to do it. Yeah, and yeah. when you think back to that time, I mean, obviously, a difficult decision for any of us to make. Those yeah. who get to make the decisions, some of us, uh, you know, it comes to an end because you've hit twenty years plus, or whatever yeah. the reason may be when you think back to that time, going from active duty to veteran status, what do you remember most about it?
1: You know, it was a scary time because here, here I was, you know, I had, I had the job to do, you know, place to be every morning. It was up at five 30, you know, formation at six 30. And now is, Hey, here you go. And, and at that time in, you know, late oh five oh six, five six, there wasn't much transition assistance in a sense of, Hey, this is what you should do for work. This is what you should do. So I kind of had to figure out a lot of stuff on my own and um, but what, what I wish I would have had or I would have done was reach out to other vets who got out before me it's like, hey, what are you guys doing? So I was ended up trying to have to try to figure it out on my own. And it took a number of years before I kind of got my, you know, I got my feet under. So I kind of floundered for a couple of years trying to figure out what I want to do.
3: What was it that got you through that floundering period? I mean, if there's someone out there is like, yeah, that sounds like me. What would you recommend they do to try and get past that?
1: yeah so i think it, i think re- definitely reaching out to other veterans who have been there like that's what i didn't do i had a lot of friends who got out and i just didn't reach out to them especially at that time too this was before social media really like it right, started happening and emails was was tougher but i think reaching out to vets beforehand starting that process the planning beforehand um i did eventually get with one of those military recruiting companies to kind of focus on you know non-commissioned officers and officers so that was i wish i would have done that earlier mm-hmm. um but that you know that I think is a good path because that's what they focus and specialize on. Where I was trying to, you know, trying to figure stuff out on my own, where I should have reached out to people who've kind
3: of been through that before. And you've been doing a lot since you got out. We're speaking with Shah Chowdhury. He is the co-founder of Assault Forward. He's also a lot more than that. You've been involved on Capitol Hill with IAVA on yeah. veterans issues, including post-9-11 GI Bill, suicide, burn pits, all that stuff. What made you want to get involved in the advocacy side of veterans issues? So
1: for me, being a veteran, like it's such a special thing to us. Like there's, like there's like, I didn't join a fraternity in college, but this is my fraternity. This is my organization. Yeah. So I've been because my parents, were, you know, i from the South Asian you know, uh, 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 ethnicity side. I tried doing networking events there. I, I, I'm not a typical South Asian person, <laughs> right? I don't flip the most of the guys go into being doctors or lawyers, and here I was an army officer. So, but when I when I'm around other veterans, I feel like a connection. Like it doesn't matter when they serve, what branch or serve. We might live on each other, army versus navy, but it's still the same. Uh, it's a brotherhood, you know, brothers and sisters. So. I just wanted to give back to where, in essence, if it wasn't for the army, like I don't know where I would be now. It kind of gave me um, a, a sense of purpose, and it just kind of gave me direction in life. So part of that is helping out, especially with IVA here being in the D.C. area. I get calls a lot, hey, we need help on the hill. So I, I kind of went first from kind of being in the in the photo ops in the back because they needed people to fill into last you know last couple uh, storm the hill happened about a month ago and i was there leading teams meeting with congressmen to get for the burn pit accountability act so it's a great time just giving back to the people who i work with and again being around other veterans i just love being around other vets
3: there are a lot of people who get involved in a number of things of course you also have gotten involved on the entrepreneurial side through assault forward and let's talk a little bit about that what exactly is assault forward and where did the idea for the company come from
1: oh great great question so um so i was in grad school using the gi bill and uh, at university of maryland and about 20 percent of our class were veterans so we kind of built a kind of friendship and camaraderie within the community um so i got two of my friends joe and josh uh one of them was an artillery officer as well and we always kind of talked about businesses and stuff so we graduated the program in july and in october the idea came to my head and i was like hey I man we need to start a business and part of it was we were all professional guys if we wear suit and ties or jackets to work and we're like we want to represent that we're veterans but we can't wear a grunt style t-shirt to work. I mean, great company, we love, you know, we can't, right? But, uh, you know, great company, we love what they do, but we need something that represents us, guys who can wear something more discreet, um, but still representing the veteran status. So Mm -hmm. we came up with Assault Ford. So Assault Ford is an e-commerce retail accessories and apparel brand for professional veterans and patriotic Americans. Everything's American
3: made as well. It's true. It's something that you don't think about. Like I don't think about it because mm. you, you mentioned I happen to be wearing a grunt style yeah, shirt today. Exactly. When I got through the GovX website that yeah. was uh, specific to them, but I, I work at a job where uh, again there's no cameras in here, yeah. so I can say I can wear what I want. I can yeah. be nude right now, and no one would know. <laughs> there are a lot of people who work in a, a more professional capacity. Whether you're a lawyer or you work in finance or you work in you're a teacher or something like that, you can't wear a lot of the uh, the, the the I guess patriotic uh the stereotypically patriotic things that people think of so it kind of makes sense to do that it also seems to me and tell me if i'm wrong here when looking at the catalog of what assault forward does like these amazing lapel pins that you guys have with the subdued flag uh, coffee mugs things like that is there also a benefit to having kind of um smaller products. Is the production of it easier where you're not having to deal with printing off, you know, 500,000 T-shirts like Dan Alaric and the folks at Grunt Style are?
1: You know, it's a great point. So that's part of the process. So we, when we started thinking about the company, because right now my basement is just shipping center, right? So everything is there. <laughs> so we wanted to something where we, we, eventually we do want to go into a golf shirt and, and T-shirts as well because people are asking for that, but we're concerned about inventory. We don't want to hold 10,000 T-shirts or, you know, 100 triple XL because we needed it. So starting with the lapel pin, it's pretty small boxes. You can hold five hundred in a pretty small box. It doesn't take up tons of space. Really? I will say, with the coffee mugs that we just ordered, those are bigger boxes. It's yeah. funny. My wife called me when the boxes came in, and it, she just walked out to go pick up my son from school. She said, "What? In, what on earth are these boxes?" And I go, "Oh, that's probably the coffee mugs." So it was like six big boxes. So that was the first foray into something bigger, but it is easier in that sense.
3: Do you think that it's also kind of makes sense for you as starting a business and someone who has a background in finance? Yeah. Uh, again, you've got your master's, you've got all that important yeah. stuff. Do you think it's Important for veterans who are thinking of starting their own company to not kind of overextend themselves to begin with, to maybe find find your lane before speeding up in it, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. So that's part of where we're part of Bunker Labs as well. You're probably familiar with Bunker oh, yeah. Labs. So Bunker Labs is big in the veteran entrepreneur space. And, and they talk about scaling and starting. you use a lean startup methodology. So start small, scale. They talk about de-risking the process. So all of us still have our day jobs. But we do this, but it, and I don't call it a side hustle because I spend a lot of hours mm-hmm. all for a lot of late nights, weekends. Um, but the good thing about it is like, I have the finance background. One of the other partners, Joe, he's a, he's a marketing guy. So he does a lot of the marketing, other guys, operations, Josh. So we kind of have our space. We take our, our space and we run with it. But, uh, you know, but we are starting small. And we're scaling because what we didn't want to do is take out a loans of $100,000, buy a bunch of inventory and then try to sell it. Right. We're like, hey, let's start small. Yeah. Let's sell and then we'll have to reorder as we can. But...
3: I am by no means a mm-hmm. finance expert. My right. My degrees in communications and radio production. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, But one thing that seems seems obvious to me, but I think a lot of people don't think about, and it's not just veterans, it's anyone in the entrepreneur space, where they'll have an idea that they believe in so strongly that, like you said, let's use t-shirts as an example. Mm-hmm. You print off 250,000 t-shirts because you're just, man, these things are awesome. I love them. All my friends love them. Everybody's going to buy them. If they don't, if that market, if you've overestimated that market, you've put yourself in a very difficult position. Correct. How can people try to figure out ahead of time what is and isn't too much as someone with that finance background and in starting this company?
1: You no, know, it's a great question. So what we did, we started with a small, what they call, the lean startup calls like an MVP, a minimum viable product. Mm-hmm. And so you start small and just test it out. So we started with 250 lapel pins. So it cost us less than a thousand dollars. That's all, I mean, that's what it costs us to start to test it. Like, hey, we have the website up. Here's what it is. We started reaching out to just our community. We didn't pay any for marketing. We're like, hey, what do you think about the story? What do you think about this? So we gave out a couple, you know, to some people and they were like, hey, this is cool. This is good quality, American made. We like it. And then we sold out, you know, in a relatively quick time. We're like, okay, well... Uh, let's try another 250. So then when that kind of went through, then the next order. So we, that's the way I would say is start small with people that you know without having to spend a lot of money in marketing. Um, and that's what Bunker Labs talks about as well is hey, if you just try to get that first dollar, a lot of people see, hey, I want to become a million dollar company. But before you make that first million, you have to make your first dollar, right? Mm-hmm. So you find that one person who's willing to give you a dollar first. So try that. If somebody's willing to pay $1 for it, you're most likely you'll be able to find someone else to pay a dollar for it. And it just multiplies that way.
3: That is uh, you know, simple and basic, but it's something that a lot of us just don't know about or don't exactly. think about. Thankfully, I have a wife who has an MBA and okay, all that great. stuff. so you have a Six Sigma black belt and all that <laughs> but, nonsense. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about it as much, but I'm also not trying to start a company. Yeah. Knowing what you know and learning what you've learned so far with Assault Forward, as you begin to expand the company, as you begin to expand the products uh, that you offer, what is the biggest single piece of advice you would give to a vet out there who's got an idea for a company And is just getting into the process of figuring out how to get it off the ground and started.
1: No, so I think the one big thing is just do it, execute. Execute. A lot of people, you talk to a lot of people, they have an idea for this, they have an idea for that, but it never gets past being an idea. Mm. Like you have to get it out there as quickly as possible and test the idea with as little as money as possible. So I would say just execution. Like I said, we executed relatively quickly. The idea came in October and we had our first sale late February, so three to four months from idea phase so that's pretty quick yeah so that's again where we were motivated we we're like hey we found it we found the passion it's a veteran space that we love the community that we love we love to be a part of you just have to go out there and execute as quickly as possible and that's the hardest thing is just going from okay it's an idea phase the coffee phase right people are sitting around drinking coffee in a coffee shop hey we're gonna we're going to change the world we're going to you have to go from going to to doing it. You just right. have to go and execute.
3: And that's kind of like, you know, we were talking off air. Both of us train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yep. I, over the last couple of months, I've had an illness, my wife traveling, yep. and there have been, like last week, I, I hadn't gone in, I think, three weeks. And it oh. was just like I kept coming up with excuses of yeah. why I couldn't oh, go. Yeah. So I just had to go and had a great time. But it's kind of the same thing with business. Yep. You know, yep. difficult things you may have a great idea, but then you realize that the implementation of it's going to be a little bit more difficult, and that can kind of uh, you know push you back and and keep you from starting it. But good advice from Shah Chaudhry, co-founder of Assault Forward. Question I want to ask you about Assault yeah, Forward. Yeah. I know you get this, and it, I I hope yeah. it mostly comes from the non-veteran community. Yeah. How come your flags are backwards? Yeah.
1: <laughs> we, that we do get that a lot, and and, and that was really intentional. So for us being army guys, that's how we wore it on our right shoulder sleeve, right? right? So it's a very special, significant meaning to us. And so we say, yeah, it's supposed to seem like a, f- a flag going forward on the battlefield. It's right. technically assaulting. Forward. If
3: you're, if you're carrying the f- picture, the revolutionary war and you're carrying the stars and stripes and you're charging into battle as that flag bearer, it's flowing behind, behind you. you. So exactly. that's why the flag looks like that exactly. on the side. I have one on my motorcycle vest. Exactly. Uh, one of the, uh, not the subdued flag, but the other one that I wore on yeah. my uh, my ACUs when yep. I worked for the Army exactly. in Afghanistan. Yeah. So do you get a lot of questions about that from people, though? We, we do. And it's it's uh, so and that's
1: part, but when so we started, we bought these pins for ourselves first. We made them just for ourselves to wear because right. we wanted something different. We we got so many questions. I mean, 20, 30, 40 questions over a couple of weeks. People will stop. Hey, why is that flag backwards? And I'll tell the story. And they say, oh, that's a pretty neat story. That's pretty cool. After like about a couple of weeks of getting that, we're like, hey, maybe we're onto something. Let's just try it out and sell it. So- but for us it's also a mindset like you've probably seen the new vso's came out with the new veteran creed right how to simulate and and we still have missions to go out in the world so for us we're trying to turn it into a a brand where it kind of helps veterans to hey assaulting forward is a mindset to go forward do good things in life assault forward you know with us so um, but we do get that questions a lot. It's it's funny. Um, vets get it. Army guys. Some, you know, Marine guys, some Marines don't get it. They're yeah. like, they're like, because they don't wear any patches. Nope. Um, but they're like, okay, I understand it. But, you know, we wouldn't do that. Like, hey, the Air Army. Force
3: are used to wearing, you know, polo shirts, <laughs> exactly and cargo shorts, right? That's their uniform. loafers, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> riding around in the golf cart. You know, they put on their spikes when necessary for tea time <laughs> exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah. Looking at assault forward and what it is now, as you said, started off small with the lapel pins. Now you've got a number of products available. You've got different pins. You've got the uh, the standard traditional forward facing flag pin, yeah. the military veterans and law enforcement special edition pin, yeah. coffee mugs that you've now got uh, that came in the boxes that surprised your wife. Yeah, exactly. That's just i that's that's a funny thing to think of stepping uh-huh. outside like what in the hell that's is in front of my that's ass? exactly what she said. Where do you see it going? Do you want to continue expanding? Do you see it as something like, let's say, here's another good example, a fellow soldier of yours, uh, the founder of GORUCK, mm-hmm. which has created almost a lifestyle around the brand. They now have 50-mile races around the country that mm-hmm. they're doing and all that stuff. What do you see as the future of Assault Forward as you continue Assaulting Forward in the entrepreneurial
1: space? Yeah, so we, we definitely want to continue. Like Our goal is we want to employ veterans. Like We want to employ veterans and military spouses. Military spouses do a lot for you know the, the service members in uniform, but our goal is to Keep growing. Ultimately, I would love to do this full-time. And that is our plan. Within two to three years, do enough for you. We, we want to do this full-time. Keep expanding the product line. And again, like you said, like a lifestyle brand around assault 4. We want to work with other veteran organizations. Example, uh, we are partnering, potential partnership with some of the bigger veteran-owned companies um, to do like a collabo type stuff. We're actually working on a veterans giveaway as well. We have, we're organizing it. So we have companies like, we're talking about like Bottle Breacher, Black Rifle Coffee, companies yeah. like that to do a giveaway to help cross promote each other so we want to just be in that community we love being a part of it but we definitely want to grow it to the point where it's making enough money for all of us to do it full time and we want to employ all veterans and Mm -hmm. one thing um evan hafer from black rifle coffee you probably know him so at a bunker labs event in chicago he talked about he wanted to create a company a military company he said hey civilians can work here but they have to adjust to our culture that's Mm -hmm. what we want to do like ultimately like we have to adjust right now to the civilian culture we want to make a South forward a big enough company where veterans work. And as civilians, if, if you do want to come work with us, that's fine. But you're going to have to adjust to our military-type culture here. And that's what we yeah. want to create.
3: Well, and some of those big companies, and, and we've talked about them a couple of times already, I think a Grunt Style and, and talking to Dan about they want to have at least 50% veterans on on staff. But it's not always easy sure, to find yeah. those veteran yeah. workers. Is that a concern for you moving forward as your team gets bigger? I mean, you're, you're a small team now. You're no. veterans. You're doing it. No. As you get forward, do you do you worry that it might be harder to maintain that aspect of the business? Sure.
1: It, I mean, even right now for just sourcing products, right? Forcing American, having American manufacturers, that's harder and harder just to do because there's not that many. A lot, most of the stuff is made in China and Vietnam. So that's already hard there. But we are... Uh, the next thing we're like we that is a concern down the line but right now i think as we grow we're, we're planning to scale it slowly i think we should be okay yeah. but that is down the line where ideally we would want a veterans only right but if there's no veterans available we need the job done we will go to the neck you know, look for military spouses or maybe first responders or in yeah. the, or people who support the, the the veteran culture again if you're a civilian and you can do the job that's great but remember you're gonna have to adjust to our culture whenever we do get it
3: you know and Veteran culture, of course, is not a monolith. There's sure. many things about it, which is kind of uh, the interesting, I think, perhaps the most interesting aspect of what you're doing with Assault Forward, creating these accessories for the professional worker. Exactly. Not for the guy. Like the, There are a lot of jobs where you can't be wearing the ranger up and the nice. grunt style and every day at work. How important do you think it is for people looking to get into the entrepreneurial space to try and find that kind of gap. I don't know that there's anybody else doing anything like what you guys are. You found that. How hard was it to find it? Was it just a, a coincidence that you had this idea and nobody else was doing it? And how important is it to try and, I guess what, I guess what you don't want to be doing the same thing that Ranger Up and Grunt Style are because good luck competing against those two companies at this point, you know?
1: Exactly. So part of the, the conversation I had with my co-founder, Joe and Josh, is he's big into the veterans, you know, his suitcase. He travels a lot for work covered in all the military brands, Grunt Style, Nine Line, the whole nine yards. And so when we came up with the idea, it was my idea, to say, hey, we should sell this lapel pin. He's like, hey, look, selling a lapel pin is not a business by itself, right? And, And which we like, we understood. He's like, there's a lot of veteran owned companies already. It's crowded, how do we stand out? So we just started brainstorming. It was like, well, you know what? The professional space is not being served right now through the veteran community. So we found that kind of space um, to kind of fit in, and where hey again, Grunt Style Night. We love those companies. We're cool companies. Yeah, you know Dan, Drill Sergeant. You know, built it. built it to you know. Talk right. about a
3: charismatic dude too. Oh, you yeah. talk to him, and he'll get you believing that you can do anything, anything you, you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: but it is. But for us, it was important to find a, a special space. But even then, you know, it's it, ultimately it's about execution. Like you there's always there's always room for other companies. Like example, like I. Example I have is because some people say, well, what if people start copying you? I'm like, look, they can copy. It doesn't matter. It's about execution. Like when I, when I used to watch, probably watch Shark Tank, right? But Mark Cuban invested in this company called Dude Wipes. And it was just guys selling baby wipes, just packaged for, for guys. You know I mean, but nothing special proprietary. It was just <laughs> baby wipes. So they're saying Dude Wipes. So, and he put like, you know, a quarter million dollars in it, and they're making millions of dollars. So yep. it's about marketing. But if you can find that space that's not being served, you definitely want to take advantage of it. But right. ultimately they, it's, it's about execution. And I think with our team that we have, um, you know, with the finance background, marketing, healthcare, and and the message that we're giving, you know, people can try to copy us, but we think we're we're already we're already off to the races. So it'll be hard to catch up.
3: Is reaching out to a bunker labs and doing like, you know, doing their uh, their programs that they have, going to their events that they have, their online stuff, do you think that finding them or something similar to them is really the best first step for someone to make sure that they're doing it the right way?
1: For sure. Entrepreneurship, I, I think bunker, that's their space. So Todd Conner, great guy. I don't know if you know yep. Todd's CEO. So his thing was a lot of And you have different veterans, right? Like luckily for us, like, we, you know, we had MBAs and we went to, you know, we got a GI Bill, but not, not everybody has the, and Maryland focuses on entrepreneurship, the program. So they taught us A to Z, but it was good to see it from a different angle. But you have people come out, like you said, a lot of people don't know business, like mm. business 101. So going through a bunker lab, especially having an idea, um, I think it's a great resource. because they, And they're honest, they'll be honest with you because Todd will go back to, hey, you know, how much money have you made? that's that's the end of the day because you have all these other metrics people like oh i have like 500 facebook likes like okay but how how much sales do you have right Mm so so going through bunker labs and i'm a big fan of bunker labs like they they do and they're all about veterans and in the community within bunker labs everyone's trying to help each other other veteran-owned businesses so i think bunker is a huge asset resource for other veteran entrepreneurs and again they're a non so they don't take any equity they're a free resource for veterans to use so it's a yeah. great it's a great program.
3: and again uh, you know when it comes to social media and of course assault forward has a presence on social media we'll mm-hmm. get to that in just a moment yeah. there's been a substitution of like oh someone has a million instagram followers that's worth this much money here's the thing if, if that's too much of your focus a lot of companies that were trying to, to market on social media using those social media influencers have found that the influence might not be what they thought it was and are starting right. to come back to more traditional ways of getting their products out there. Social media is important, but don't focus too much on it, I exactly. guess. Is what I'm saying. Well, we've been speaking with Shah Chowdhury. He is co-founder of Assault Forward, Army veteran, also someone who's been uh, an activist on behalf of, advocating for veterans over the years, doing a lot of great stuff. And Shah, if people want to find out more about Assault Forward, if people want to see the lovely picture of those three beautiful army veterans, I'm not saying that sarcastically at all, who started the company, where do they go to find that out and where can they find you on social media?
1: Yeah. So we're assaultforward.us. Again, we like the US extension because again, we're an American made company. So that, that was for us. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram, uh, again, at Assault Forward, And our thing is Assault, A, I uh, think A-S-S, A-U-L-T-F-W-D. But you come up, type in Assault Forward in Google, we're at, we're, we, it took us a while, but we're toward the top of the Google hits now. Um, but uh, definitely on Facebook and Instagram and, and on our website. And we actually started a blog recently, too. So we're kind of rotating different topics on the blog.
3: See, now, had you gone to Hofstra, you'd have no question on how to spell assault. Yeah, but, yeah. You, know, there you, yeah, you yeah. were a face in guy. Of course, there's some of that ribbing that we're yeah. talking about. Well, we want to sh- thank Shah for joining us here on The Morning Briefing. Thank you so much for your time and best of luck with the company going forward.
1: Thanks, Eric. Riding me on.
2: what is up everybody welcome back to the morning briefing for friday the 13th 2018 i'm super producer jq sitting in the driver's seat coast host eric game is feeling a little bit under the weather and we wish him the best and well a speedy recovery We'll take this time to plug the website, connecting your one-stop shop for everything military and veteran related. And make sure you follow us on social media where we are at connecting vets on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Follow us to get the latest and greatest happenings in the veteran community because we are the veteran community. Every single person here at connectingvets.com knows what it's like to put that uniform on and to take it off for that last time. So we're staying on top of things because we care about you. Now, it's Friday, and you know what that means—bad luck. We actually just had a false alarm fire alarm, so I it was half—I was just starting with my interview with our up, our guest right here, and I had to stop and go downstairs. And of course, you know, it was a false alarm, but hey, whatever. Friday the thirteenth—it's Friday, which means VFW, which means Lynn Rolfe, their programs director. Lynn, how you doing today?
0: Good morning.
2: Oh, it is a very good morning. Let me tell you. Okay, so. Uh, I understand you are traveling today, right? You're not. Why is why, why are you not here right now?
0: Well, our 119th uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars convention is coming up this coming week. So, uh, I actually live in Kansas City. So it's a blessing that I don't have to. I'm just taking a little time getting ready for our national convention. Don't have to travel very far.
2: Well, good. Again, we're happy that you took the time off to come and talk to us today. And of course, this sounds familiar because we literally just did this but we had to stop because of the fire alarm so we're repeating ourselves a little
1: bit. All good.
2: All right. so let's talk about the last question I asked, which was, we're talking about a lot of the programs that VOW has to help veterans and they have a lot, but there's one a new initiative called Veteran Employment Tools. Tell me about that.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Over the last uh 3 years our staff and uh our great friends at UPS uh, specifically Pat O'Leary who happens to be a VFW member and a very proud marine Corps, uh has identified a huge issue and huge barrier to as young NCOs get out of the military Uh, they don't have the resources to be able to apply to get into those industrial fields like UPS, uh, mechanical, engineering. Um, So what we've done with the help of UPS uh, is we stepped into the breach and committed to purchasing $25,000 tool sets from Snap-on. That way the veteran can at least get their foot in the door. So they'll go through the process, and once they're selected to get hired with UPS, we'll send them that huge toolbox with all the tools they need, and they hit the ground running. Uh, but like I stated earlier, the biggest barrier, and they've got a huge shortage, not just for veterans, but in general, in the uh, mechanic skill field, that they just can't get in the door. So we've stepped up and... Want to get these veterans a great opportunity at a long-term career.
2: Yeah, that's what I've heard before that, you know, that trade jobs like mechanics and stuff are all in, in short supply because yeah. everyone, try, everyone thinks that you have to go to college, get a four-year degree, and they don't realize that you can make a pretty good living being like an auto mechanic or something like oh, that. Yeah,
0: yeah they uh, discussing with UPS and there's a very low, or there's a very low turnover. It's high retention once you get in that career path, and especially the veterans. The upward mobility from them is phenomenal. I I had no idea, but uh, discussing with UPS, and it makes a lot of sense because we pride ourselves on our leadership abilities. Usually, those veterans move up the uh, chain of command pretty fast, so they they get very comfortable. And a very meaningful career with, uh, UPS and other trade fields.
2: Okay. So tell me, what are the requirements for this? What, uh, what do you have to do to be able to qualify for it?
0: Uh, first thing, go to, go to our website, vfw.org slash, bet. Look at the requirements. We ask that you be honorably discharged. Shoot me an email, kind of what your goals are, you know, what this would mean to you. uh, transfer or uh, send your 214 to me that way I can verify your skill set on your uh, mechanical background and then what I will do is I will reach out to the Veteran Affairs Office at UPS and we'll send uh, a quick questionnaire to the service member and hey you know where do you live where would you like to work and we'll try to get through UPS you know, a handful of job listings within that community you want to go. You know, they of course, they really want to t- uh, target the big cities, but there's opportunities worldwide for veterans. Um, and then you'll get into the shoot with their HR, go through the interview process. Once you get the job offer, that's when the tool set will get delivered to your job location. So you don't even have to worry about anything. You just show up and your tools are there. Oh, wow yeah it's it's pretty pretty neat. we We just awarded one two weeks ago. Uh, so we've got nineteen left. Uh, so we appreciate spread the spread the gospel and let's get 19 more vets on board and give them a great great career.
2: Well, that's what we're here for to let people yeah. know about all these fantastic programs. Now tell me, is there a time and service requirement like can I have been a mechanic in the army for two or three years and then get out and qualify for this program?
0: We're really targeting at least after the first enlistment. That way, we know a) you got the school training, but b) you got on the on the job experience, real world war experience, actually working in a motor pool, learning the logistics chain. Uh, so at least five years is about optimum. But we're, you know, we're not going to we're not going to say, hey, you know, you only got four years. We're going to, it's all going to be case by case, but at least going through that first enlistment, uh, we hope. And, and then we'll let a UPS actually make the decision on, you know, if they feel that like you're the right right candidate.
2: Okay. So um, tell me, I, I'm curious. I'm not sure if you can share this information or if you even have mm-hmm. it. But uh, these toolboxes, because I've seen, like, I've had my, cu- my truck worked on before, and I've seen these, like, massive, like, six-foot... <laughs> tall sting of drawers with full of things I can't even identify, and I'm pretty mechanically inclined. Do you know how much they cost? Like, how much if I wanted to buy one of these kits?
0: Oh, if, thank God for uh, Snap-on giving us a discount, but you're, <laughs> you're talking seven, eight grand at least.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: For a start, you know, when you go into a, a Jiffy Lube or a Dodge dealership or, or a Chevy dealership, and you see those mechanics over there, those boxes are huge, so... They've given us a huge discount uh, as a starter kit, the prerequisite toolbox to walk in, and it's it's the exact same toolbox, but we're getting it for five grand.
2: So this program is—it sounds amazing. It's, it sounds like you're basically letting the veteran skip the whole stress of having to do an interview and all these other things, and just sort of letting them say, "Hey, I want work. Okay, here's the job." Um, is that they still cool?
0: got to sell themselves though? We're not. We're not. We're we're removing the hard barriers, the financial barrier. That stress. So all they have to do now is they have to sell themselves, and veterans can do that, just by yeah just by, by their character and their leadership traits. They they shine above everyone else. Yeah, by
2: virtue of their experience, they're yep. able to pretty much sell themselves. Yep. So, uh, and you said this goes through. Um, oh my God, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm horrible at my job. I can't remember the the company you just said that this goes
0: through. Uh, oh yeah, UPS. UPS. Yeah, the big br- the big brown truck.
2: Yeah, I was about to say FedEx. So I was on the right track. Know. So is it just Any- th- is it just through them?
0: Well, right right now we're testing this because you know I don't think anyone's ever done this kind of program. So what we're doing with the twenty toolboxes we're we're learning our lessons as we go. So once we award the twenty, we'll have this statistical. Uh, data that we can sell the program to other corporations that have this need. You know, and who knows, maybe get some more sponsors to give even more toolboxes away and really blow it up. Um, But, yeah, we're 100% committed uh, to keep growing this program, but the 20 toolboxes will give us some great data, uh, data points to be able to not only learn but to move forward.
2: Okay. So, um... Once again, if someone wants to apply, what's the process? What do they go,
0: go through? Go to vfw.org backslash VET, and VET stands for the Veteran Employment Tool Program, and the requirements are right there my email address where you're going to send a quick little essay or a paragraph to me and say, hey, what, what this program will do for you. Uh, and then we'll between the veteran and myself, we'll start the dialogue, and I'll, I'll walk them all the way through the process and take care of them.
2: Okay. Now, here's an important question that I feel I, I think I know the answer to, but I, I want to hear it said over the air. Is this just for VFW members?
0: No. No, this is any, any veteran that has that mechanic MOS so
2: that's fantastic. That's why yeah. see. That's why all the I love talking with these veteran service organizations because most of them, at least, especially the VFW, they don't just work for their membership. They work for yeah. veterans as a whole, and it's really a fantastic thing to see.
0: Yeah, and and you know, and that's a bad bad perception about all of us in this community is oh, you got to be a VFW member, you got to be a Legionnaire, or you got to be DAV. You know, we were founded to take care of our veterans and fight for them legislatively and remove some of those barriers for them and you know people say we're outdated but this is a prime example that we're out there kicking butt for our veterans
2: exactly so um, let's take a brief sidebar tell me about this uh, national meeting you're getting ready for
0: yeah our our 119th VFW National Convention wow we are the old, oldest VSO in the world well we're expecting eight 9,000 veterans members and auxiliary members to come into Kansas City next week starting up Friday. And we're gonna discuss everything in the world, all of our legislative prop uh priorities, um, and chart a course forward for next year and then also celebrate all of our successes this previous year under the leadership of Keith Harmon, our commander in chief. Got some great guest speakers. Um, Given a lot, a lot of awards away. I'm really proud, personally. I, part of my responsibility is, is to all of our recognition awards. Um, one I wanted to highlight is David Goggins, the Navy SEAL that set the world pull-up record. Oh, Only one ow. that's ever gone through Navy SEAL training. SEER, Special Forces Ranger, Pararescue. I mean, he's done it all. And he's a great American that we're going to recognize at the National Convention.
2: That's incredible. You, yeah. like, you would think that one special forces school would be enough. You'd be yeah. like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I did the hard thing. Now I'm good." But now this guy's yeah. like, "No, hurt me more, Daddy." Yeah, and if,
0: <laughs> if you ever heard him on the, uh, he's on the Marcus Luttrell Patriot Tour. He failed Hell Week three times, I believe. and went back a fourth time, or, or failed twice, and went back a third time. And the only one that's ever done that.
2: See, that's, after two times, that's like God telling me, "Hey, man, this ain't for you." <laughs> <Yeah>. So,
0: <laughs> the gun for punishment.
2: I know, right? So, uh, t- tell me, uh, what kind of things will you be talking about? Like, like you said, your accomplishments. Tell me some of the accomplishments, yeah. some things you've you've done over the past year, or the le- or the the VFW yeah. has a- achieved.
0: I, well, from my world specifically, we're going to really highlight highlight. Uh, Our Help a Hero Scholarship that's primarily funded by our great partner, Sport Clips. Uh, We, as of last month, have awarded 1,115 veteran student scholarships, which puts us in a league of our own. No one else has touched that many veterans with the scholarship, Uh, and that equates to just about $5 million. That's huge.
2: That's incredible.
0: So, and then in addition to that, we eclipsed $10 million in financial assistance through our needs program. We had a huge year with all the disaster responses that we unfortunately had to deal with for anywhere from the volcano erupting, the typhoon in America, Samoa, the wildfires in California, all the flooding in Houston. So we're going to discuss that at great length, all the great impact and assistance we provide across the country with the natural disasters. And then then just giving veterans a hand up financially, get them to zero, get them even. That way they don't have that stress of the financial burden and they're able to get back to get back to their life and providing for their family or chasing a career.
2: That's cool,
0: man. Probably the two biggest, uh, for my world, uh, successes that we had this year that I'm really going to commemorate.
2: Okay, so uh, okay, getting back on topic a little bit. uh, uh, Tell me about some of the other programs the VAW has that help veterans out. Like I know you have countless numbers. What are some of your the bigger ones you've been pushing lately?
0: Uh, Well, we already talked the scholarship and our financial assistance. The uh, the transition and employment programs are very important uh, through the veteran through the vet pilot program with UPS. Um, We've also got some scholarships for the the service members or for anyone that has a young student getting ready to go to college. Our Voice of Democracy and our Patriot Pen Contest can help lessen that financial burden of paying for college if their young uh, kid participates and writes a fantastic essay and orates it. They that student's able to win up to thirty thousand dollars if they win. Oh wow! Yeah. So what we've seen in the seventy-one years we've been doing this program, uh, a lot of veterans' kids, you know, get in, the, compete in this program and talk about their um, parents' service and they knock it out the park, They're talking about the importance of the flag, talking about democracy, how the government's supposed to work, and. It's it's a very enlightening program to, first of all, read these students' uh, essays, but get to meet them, and then we take them to D.C. They learn how the country works. Uh, we take them to Philadelphia, learn how the country was formed, how Congress was supposed to work. <laughs> 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 no pun intended, but... <laughs> uh, no pun um,
2: needed right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so there's, we touch every level of the community. From all of our great youth programs, getting behind scouting, these essay contests, uh, helping with the financial uh, hand up through our M and needs program, when a veteran decides to go back to school, especially if they've transferred the GI Bill benefit or they have you, you exhausted it all, we can help them out and get them to or get them some financial. Uh, yeah grants to pay for college up to five thousand dollars a semester and, and keep getting it until they decide okay I've had enough education that's oh, wow. what that's another way that our scholarship separates itself
2: yeah you know, something I'm, I want to break in real quick I yep. read a, I read a news story on the the morning briefing today and it talked about how uh, DoD is limiting the time in which long-term service members can transfer their benefits yeah. to their kids have you heard of that?
0: Yeah, I, I just read that on the early bird myself. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was at the 16-year mark starting in 2019 that if they haven't transferred, they can't. I have no doubt our staff right now is putting together a point paper to be able to shoot that down.
2: Yeah, because it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I mean, no. <laughs> it's like, Especially with the, the new passes of the, the forever GI. It was the forever GI Bill, not yep. the forever asterisk GI Bill. You know, there's no footnotes here. So it doesn't make sense to me that people shouldn't be able to transfer. Because what if you're 16 years in and then you have a kid and 18 years later he wants to go to college? Why shouldn't you be able to transfer that benefit?
0: You're exactly right. And I'm sure between uh, the VSO community and the SVA, we're going to, we should be able to stop that, I hope.
2: All right. Well, we'll be rooting for you because I know several service members that need that money. So uh, I'm looking at your website, looking through the programs, all the massive amounts of veteran-focused initiatives you have. I'm looking at one that says the One Student Veteran. Do you know about that?
0: Yes. Yeah, the One Student Veteran, we, we are the only organization that's got a MOU with the VA. So when a, when a veteran and even a military member uh, applies for the GI Bill benefit and take, for instance, that service member knows they are entitled to 100% GI Bill benefit. But for some reason, in the VA's infinite wisdom, they get
3: 80%. Oh!
0: But they know that that's wrong. They can contact our one-student veteran program and our staff. Within, within 24 hours, first of all, we'll talk to that veteran, uh, but sh- we'll be able to get that situation rectified and, and corrected.
2: Okay. So, I mean, you have all these programs. How do you get the, how do you even make people know? I mean, obviously, you come to the morning briefing where we have, you know, right. the largest audience in the history of ever. Like, pretty much everyone's listening to us. The, the best audience. Ex- exactly. Right. You know, this the smartest, most good looking people in the world listen to the morning briefing. Anyway, uh, how do you get the word out with all these things? Because I know there's all these great programs, but even as a veteran, I never knew they existed. Like, how yeah. do you get the word
0: out? well we're doing much better uh our social media is re- is really that's as we know that's usually the tool most rely on right now so we've really proud of our social media campaign efforts um of course the website and which anytime someone googles anything our financial assistance pops up in the top 2 at least so we've done a better job of uh working the the uh, the metrics on that to be able to get those search returns, and then we're highly encouraging all of our VFW posts uh, to get behind another new program. We've got to we're we're paying for every post to get a website. Oh, cool! Because we, we strongly believe that if you're not in that sphere or in that world, you know, no one's going to know. They're going to keep thinking we're the CIA and we don't talk about what we do. <laughs> So we're, we've got all out campaign blitz to provide every VFw post with a website and that's free of charge um, oh, cool. so we're, I think we're hitting all all levels to get the word out and then i I'm kind of old school i I do think that the word of mouth is really probably the fastest in sometimes <laughs> right. especially in smaller communities so as long as our members know about these programs and and uh, people like you that care and that are out there fighting for us. We just keep spreading the gospel.
2: Okay, so let me ask you this: I, have, and this is a personal thing, yep. I have been considering going back to school, but I have no idea how to use the GI Bill, no idea what it works, yep. any of this stuff. If I came to the VFW and said, "I know nothing, help me out," where would you direct me?
0: I would direct you to one student veteran. Uh, My great friend Tony Lowe manages that program and he's right there in DC, retired Air Force, NCO. He will help you. I would also highly suggest reaching out to the student Veterans of America, another great friend of ours. Those two resources right there are those are priceless. We will be able to help you. At least provide you know, just talk to you about, you know, what what your passions are. You know, do some skills tests and, you know, figure out where you want to go. And I think between scholarship and the mentoring, like, uh, because most of us have been through that already. So we're able to pass on those lessons learned. Right, right.
2: So, uh, tell me, we're running a little short on time. Is there anything anything else you want to, any other program you want to plug real quick? Any other real big push that you want to get the word out about?
0: No, I think uh, people know about our scholarship and our financial assistance. Um, especially, I really can't can't appreciate you enough for bringing a light to our our tools program. It's it's an incredible opportunity because, yeah, even though we know that the unemployment rate's going down, you know, some veterans do take the first thing as soon as they they transition out of lower lower paying job just so they got something this one, this one's a true meaningful career with UPS and a
2: great opportunity to- yeah, I can I can attest to that. When I first got out, I took a job that I thought that you know it's easy, I can do it, and who cares if yeah. I'm underqualified and I'm not using my skills. <laughs> and and yeah. you know what? It, it ended up not working. I realized, hey, I'm miserable here, so let me try to you know. And I wish that I had known about the VFW and the sort of things y'all do to help that could have helped me find a job because maybe I would have been here sooner. But hey, you know what? Nobody's perfect. I'm not naming names. I'm not blaming anybody.
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I 100% I did the exact same thing when I got out I, I went and became a defense contractor and I sat behind a computer and I was like this is absolutely miserable and it did not did not work very well for me mentally and I, I went down a bad rabbit hole and discovered the VFW myself and turned my life around and look where I'm at now
2: alright alright well Lynn Rolf of the Veterans of Foreign Wars thank you so much for being on the show man
0: Thank y'all and uh, have a safe Friday the thirteenth.
2: All right, so it's been the morning briefing. I'm super producer JQs. Want to thank y'all for hanging out today. And once again, I'm going to plug social media. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Connecting Vets. And make sure you don't walk under any ladders, don't break any mirrors, don't throw any salt, and watch out for black cats. We will see y'all on Monday. Have a safe weekend.